Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Listen, church, I'd like to start tonight's Bible study with a quote I heard the other day. And the reason I liked it, I wrote this quote down, and, and, and it's one of those quotes where you just kind of kind of look at it, and you kind of just you mull it over, and, and, and it just, just something to it. And uh, I believe in some way, I mean, it could illustrate what we're going to learn in Genesis chapter 9. Listen to this quote, okay? And I want, I want to use this quote as far as how we navigate through our scriptures tonight. Quote, it's not the darkness we fear. It's the light that we are most afraid of, end quote. Let me say that again. Let, let it soak in because it's one of those things where you go, okay, that's, I heard it and I was like, wow. It says, quote, it's not the darkness we fear. It's the light that we're most afraid of. And there's a story that goes behind this quote. There's a young man by the name of Lee. Now, listen, Lee Uh, Listen to Lee's story in light of this quote. He says, quote, all my life, people have told me that I was bright and that I had a lot of potential. I usually did really good in school. I even got a scholarship to a really good college. The only thing, Lee writes, is I wasn't good at making friends. I was so shy and timid. I had a hard time talking to people. I just didn't fit in anywhere. Then it all changed. I started missing classes, getting into trouble. Then I was kicked out of college. By then, I had a pretty bad drinking problem. I was depressed all the time. I started hanging out with the other kids I grew up with that didn't have the same chances I had. We lived in poor neighborhoods. We had no idea how much our environment could affect our future. We weren't kids anymore. The only thing they cared about was the streets. Lee goes on to write, By now I was abusing a lot of different drugs, and my family stood hopeless and helpless not knowing what they could do. I was looking up to the wrong people. I couldn't even recognize myself anymore. I was really, really skinny and poor health from all the drinking, and I was covered in tattoos. I didn't even care about dying because I didn't know how I wasn't dead already. I've been to the hospital plenty of times, so I started carrying a gun. To make a long story short, I went to prison twice. I never thought I would make it to see my family again, but I did. No more, no more waiting on letters that never came. No more gangs. No more barbed wires and commissary. I should have died a long time ago, but I guess it wasn't my time. And now I'm with my family. I've never cried through it, any of it. Not even when I was in the hospital or in prison, he says. When I, was, when I was by myself, all alone in my room, he says, I started crying. I suddenly felt so grateful to be home. He said, my heart finally opened up, and that fear of moving forward was gone. He said, I had been bad for so long that I wanted to try being good for once. All I want to do now is give to other people the best way I know how. Just decide who you want to be before someone else decides 
for you, end quote. See, I thought about this, and I thought about Lee, and I thought, you know, Lee, for a season, was very comfortable in his darkness. That's all he knew. And what he really was most afraid of is the light, the light of moving forward, the light of life. He had a fear of the future. Now, you might be thinking, well, Ben, what does this story have to do with Noah? Well, listen, I believe this story in some ways could illustrate what Noah might be feeling. You go, what do you mean? Well, see, we've learned so far that God has, listen, he has wiped the entire human race off the planet. I mean, this blows my mind. Think about it. There, is, there was a world full of, of, of people. There was a world full of animals. It was, it was a glorious world. Same sunsets we see, same sunrises we see. There it is. And, and now Noah says, oh, my goodness. There's not even the birds in the air anymore. And all that's left is Noah's family. Think about this. Eight people in the entire world. This is all there is. And last week, guys, we talked and we learned that worship is a big part of life. We discovered that Noah worshipped before one drop of rain ever hit the ground. Why is that important? Because I know that God is going to be preparing us today for our tomorrows, and we should be worshiping before we even hit that storm tomorrow. Before one drop ever falls, we're worshiping God. We're worshiping God. He worshiped during the storm. A pastor, the text doesn't say. Man, Noah was a righteous man. I believe he worshiped in the ark. Five months in the ark, I believe he was worshiping God. And may I plead with you that that should be our lifestyle as believers is true worship to the King of kings and Lord of lords. That should be worship. And now we learned that he worshiped, guys. He worshiped after the storm. When the ark came to rest in Mount Ararat, Noah's first act was to offer burnt offerings to the Lord. Another another wonderful act of worship. Now, I wonder, during the five months, during the five months, as the earth was covered with water, did Noah ever fear what life would be like? Once Once the world got back to normal? I wonder if he's walking in the ark and he's pacing and he's thinking, okay, Maybe a few might be able to swim for a while, but not everybody. God said, I mean, God, God said, he looked at mankind and said, they're evil. And he was going to wipe everything out except us. And he's pacing in the ark and he goes, I wonder what this, this world's going to be like. What, what, what's it going to look like? I wonder if Noah ever looked at his kids and, and, and their family and, and think, how are they going to cope in a world that's just our family? Like, I mean, how are they going to do this? Now, I believe that God is a God of new beginnings. And for Noah and his family, as they exited the ark, instead of being afraid, God was there to meet him with a blessing. That's what happened. He came out, and we're going to see that today. Now, let's apply this to our lives. You go, how so? The Apostle Paul, guys, writes in 2 Corinthians 5.17, you know this verse. This is a verse that you've heard all your life, specifically if you grew up in church. But the Apostle Paul writes, and I'm going to use the New Living Translation. He says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, can I get an amen? amen, is a new person. You go, yes. The old life is gone. 
the new life has begun. In other words, the day you gave your life to Jesus was a brand new day. It was a brand new, all things have passed away. All things have become new. And you go, well, Ben, what's the point? Now, theologically, guys, we get that. We understand that, okay? Something happened in us. We're born again. You know, I used to walk left, but now I walk right. I understand that. I'm a new creature. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm not perfect. I still mess up. I still do things I wish I wouldn't do. But I can tell you, I am a new creation. I get it. But what if, but what if like Noah, you had been a believer and you went through a storm and your faith was severely tested? You went through a a raindrop and a raindrop became a rainstorm and a rainstorm became wind and water was everywhere and, 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 oh, I'm not talking a physical type of storm, I'm talking a storm in your life. How do we handle that? I mean, I think about this. I think about this. You see, theologically, we get that. But what if we're a believer and our faith has been severely tested? You go, well, Ben, that's a good question. That's a good question. Here's why. Listen, so many people who are born again have walked in life storms and have in some ways lost their faith. They have, right? There are times when people have gone through storms in life and they've actually doubted God. You know, we're, we're conditioned culturally to go, well, I've never lost my faith in God, no matter what. And, and there are some people I say hallelujah, but I'm telling you, the majority of us sometimes walk through a storm and we're just like, God, are you even there? Are you even, I can't hear you. And, 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 and we lose a little bit of our faith and we, and we doubt. We fail to understand what God is doing. And what happens is doubt and concern begin to set in. I think last week I brought up three specific storms that I was, I just happened to see. Three specific storms that were that were just it was just hard. One of them was a pastor friend of mine who went to be with Jesus. The other was a contemporary Christian singer's husband died of cancer. We see another pastor, Peter John Corson, who is struggling right now with colon cancer, is in the midst of the storm. But just this week, just this week. I'm at the gym on Monday, and I'm trying to get my exercise on, and my phone goes off. I get an email, and I get an email that says confidential prayer request. Now, it's not confidential anymore because he posted it on Facebook, and therefore I can share it with you. The problem was is that is that a pastor in Texas, a Calvary Chapel pastor who had been married two months, lost the love of his life on January 12th. So he lost his wife. That's a storm. That's a storm. And I wonder, is he doubting his faith a little bit? Is he wondering where God is at this time? You see, we all do. See, we, we know that we have new beginnings, but what about when we, 
Well, let me offer you some encouragement, okay? Let me offer you some encouragement. God often gives us new beginnings. We just need to look for it. Think about this. Think about this. The ark came to rest on Mount Ararat. What if, I mean, Noah could have just said, um, huh, the ark is big. <laughs> the ark is big, right? It's good. I don't need to get out. I don't know what's out there. You know, why don't we just kind of live in here and hang out and we'll just stay here till we die. And I mean, think about it. He had plenty of resources in the ark. Noah could have not gotten out. And you go, well, pastor, what's the point? But here's the point. Listen, Noah didn't say that. Noah knew that God and knew that God is good. And he offers them a new beginning. And so in chapter 8, verse 20, we read, Noah built an altar to the Lord, which means he had to get out of the ark. It's a brand new world. It's nothing he's ever seen before. Something different. A new beginning. A new beginning. You see, Noah, like Lee, could have been afraid. Well, I don't know what, I don't know. I mean, listen, the world I left behind is so different than what I'm about to see. And think about that in your life. Think about it in your life. Sometimes we go, man, I'm just comfortable being right here. And he's opening a brand new door with just great possibility. We have to we have to look for it. We have to look for it. Noah built an altar to the Lord, took every clean animal, every clean bird, and offered burnt offerings to the Lord. Guess what happened? Noah first left the ark. What did he do? He worshiped. He worshiped. And I think for us, in order to see new beginnings and to feel the new beginnings and to feel the possibilities and the progress of life, the very first thing we need to do after a storm is worship. It's the very first thing we need to do is worship. It was 1 Samuel, scripture reference, chapter 2, verse 30. It says, therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I promised that your branch of the tribe of Levi would always be my priest. He says, but I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. Now, I know in context, God is speaking to Israel, but the application for us is that we should always, always, always honor the Lord, and he'll honor us. But that should be a part of our life. As believers, are we honoring the Lord? Are we giving God glory in everything we do? I saw this today, and I think it was, it was I'll give credit to Tamri, but I, I just said, I said this, is, this is so cool because I was right in the middle of my notes, but Tamri posted this, and, and jot this down. This is just a good life lesson. It says, the life in front of you is far more important than the life you left behind. Isn't that cool? That's exactly what Noah's saying. The life, okay, here we go. The life ahead of you, or the life in front of you, is far more important than the life you left behind. A better way to say it, and I used to, I use this a lot, is that you have a big windshield because you need to see what's in front of you, and you have a small rearview mirror because you're not really supposed to look back a whole lot. You're not supposed to look back a whole lot. And that's where we pick up our story in Genesis chapter 9. Now, if you're taking notes, guys, we're going to, we're going to hang out with Noah 
and his family just a little bit longer, a couple more chapters. Guys, in chapter 12, then we're going to be introduced to Abraham. Abraham, okay? Now, here's what blows my mind, okay? We have a brand new world with eight people. Nothing is corrupted, right? The animals are going to come out. They're going to populate. Eight people are going to repopulate, right? And I'm thinking, okay, cool. Brand new beginning. Let's do this. This is amazing. I've taught my sons. I've taught my daughter-in-laws. I told my wife. This is it. Let's go. And here's what I thought. Listen to this. No more than two chapters. Guess what we learn? We learned in chapter 11 that man is already corrupted. You guys, what are they doing? They're trying to build a tower to get close to God. And I love what it says. It says, and, and God had to come down to see what was going on. And this is where he scattered them abroad. This is where he confused their language. And so again, I'm thinking, man, it didn't take very long, did it? It didn't take very long. And you go, well, pastor, what was it? How, why is it that we have, now again, stay with me, a brand new world. The waters, wow, done. Eight people, let's do this, okay? Now, maybe Noah and, or maybe Adam and Eve, well, they messed everything up, but we've got, we've got, we can do this, Lord. We can do this. Eight people. We'll instruct them in the ways of the Lord. God will be our leader. Let's do this. And a few chapters later, guess what happens? There they are, back in the same boat, if you will. Where, where does it come from? Where does that stem from, guys? It stems from sin. Sin fracture, fractures everything, guys. It fractures everything and everyone. Now, listen to this before we jump into our study. Sin, guys, is expensive. It's incredibly expensive. But the price isn't paid in cash. It's paid in mental, emotional, and spiritual pain. You see, God didn't create an arbitrary list of do's and don'ts to see if you would follow them. No, he laid, he laid out a set of essential guidelines for living. His anger toward lying, stealing, cheating, coveting, murder, jealousy, and pride is because, listen to this, all these behaviors destroy relationships. Everything that the Bible labels as sin is something that God is trying to protect us from. His desire is love, peace, grace, and harmony with him and with all of creations. Now think about this. In our world today, what are we doing? We see the same thing. Because the Bible says when the return of Jesus Christ is going to be the same as in the days of Noah. They were doing what? Noah, before Noah built the ark and entered the ark and all that stuff, man, they were partying, they were giving marriage, they were, they were getting married, they were, they were doing jobs, they were having families and all of this stuff, and they had no... They didn't want to know that life was about to end. And so again, we see that sin fractures everything. But we still have a new beginning. Look at verse, verse 1 of chapter 9. It said, So God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Don't you just love that? I don't know about you, but I love verse 1. Why? Because I just saw in so Elohim... If you're taking note, the word for blessed is barak. It's blessed, it's blessed. And I think, I love that. Why? Because the first thing that Noah does when he gets off the ark is he worships and he blesses God. And in turn, God turns around and he blesses Noah. And he blesses Noah. Very first thing it says, so God blessed Noah. You go, what does it mean? 
the word here, guys, in the Hebrew, it means to adore, to honor, and to bless. That's what it means. And I'm thinking about that, right? Now, let's talk about, let's talk about blessings because we hear that a lot in our day, right? You go out to the grocery store and somebody say, have a blessed day. And you're like, what does that mean exactly? Have a blessed day. Let's talk about blessings here. Here's why. Because, listen, oftentimes we hear the world blessing. Now, listen to me. You got to catch this. We live in a culture that seems to think blessing is simply financial. Come on, somebody. Or material. Are you blessed? I don't know. What does your bank account say? Or you have material stuff. Hey, did you get that? Man, you must be blessed, right? But that's not what it means, right? God has every opportunity to bless you financially if he wants to. He has every opportunity to bless you materially. That's great. But when we hear the word blessing, here's what I want you to see. It actually means both ways. It means that we can bless God and God can bless us, but not in the ways we think. What do you mean, Ben? Blessings from God, listen to this, and you can jot this down, can mean peace in our home. Blessing means peace in our home. There's not strife in the marriage. Listen to me, married couples. The devil wants to destroy your marriage. That's what he's going to set out to do. Okay, you're looking at me like, how? I'm not sure when it happens, but somewhere along the line, through a period of time, eventually, he's going to keep working to get you separated. You go, what do you mean? Well, here's the thing. If you go to the gym, right, and you work out for 20 minutes and you go home, you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to say, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. You go to the next day, you go work out 20 minutes, you're going to go home, you're going to look in the mirror and you go, nothing's changed. But if you keep working out for 20 minutes every single day, eventually, help me church, you're going to say, something's changed. I, I, I see something. Well, see, that's how the devil works. He wants to come in and he wants to destroy peace in your marriage, but he's not going to necessarily do it like this. He's going to put little things in your marriage to eventually get you on two different paths. A blessing from God is peace in your home. Peace in your home when you can communicate. Peace in your home when you can talk things down. Peace in your home when we have a biblical family standing on the word of God. You go, what else, pastor? Guys, let me, how about this? When was the last time, right, that we found a blessing that we had food in our stomach? We ate. We ate. Amen. Praise God. Now, now listen, we get, Lord, bless this food. Amen. Thank you for praying for your food. But really... Lord, thank you. Because probably the larger part of the world's population didn't eat three meals a day today. But, but that's, that's a blessing. There's food. There's food. Let, let me ask you this. When was the last time you had to pray and seek God and depend on him to provide food for you? You're like, well, Ben, I work. And I go, and I go to the store, and when I need something, we just, what do we do? We get in the car. Where are you going? Going to the store. I'm going to pick up this, this, and this. And you go in for a bag of chips, and you come out with $40 worth of groceries. Can I get a witness? That's me. Okay, now he goes, what did you buy? I said, we needed this. Thank you, Jesus, that we're able to do that. But it's a blessing. 
You go, what else? Let me, let me just say this, okay? You ready? A blessing is wonderful memories. All you have are memories. That's all you've got. And sometimes a blessing, God says, man, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you with, with just this memory. The memory of, when, listen, you and your wife laughing so hard that it hurt. Or you're saying, stop, 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 and you just had a great time. Or you got to see your kid hit a home run. Wow. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. Solomon says, man, guys, listen, there's nothing new under the sun. Capture those memories and just live and enjoy life. The problem is, is that the American dream and who we are, we're always striving for more that we miss. We miss what's going on here because we're constantly looking forward. When my youngest daughter was born, she was born with several allergies, food allergies. She was allergic to everything. And she didn't sleep ever. She didn't sleep ever. I mean, I'm not kidding you. And I used to pray, Lord, can she just be six months? Can she just be, maybe at six months she'll just. And somebody said, be careful because they grow, they grow fast. It's going to be done. I'm like, no, you don't understand. My wife looks like a, well, you know, she hasn't slept and it's been six months. I'm working a lot. And here's the thing. We blinked. And Miranda's 29. We missed, there are times we can miss those, 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 those memories. I asked Nathalie about Captain Crunch in the middle of the night with Miranda. She'll, she'll tell you. A blessing could be a warm bed. Running water. You see, blessings can be, now jot this down, good friends. Good friends. That's a blessing. It can be so much more. So be careful, church, that we're not caught up culturally. Have a blessed day. I'm already blessed. Yeah, but I'm not blessed. But I'm really blessed. You understand? I'm not blessed culturally. Oh, I'm blessed, brother. Blessed. You know, I'm too blessed to be. Come on. But I'm blessed because I've got a, I've got a good church family. I've got, I've got wonderful memories. I ate today. I don't know. I gave them my card and they said it's fine and they gave me food. What a blessing. And so be careful, guys. Be careful we don't get caught up and say, man, I want more. I need more. I need this. I need this. And if I only had this, I'll be happy. If I only had that, I'd be happy. Just live for today. So Noah says, right, God, so God bless Noah. And he says to him, notice what he said, God speaks. I love that. Why? Now, it's just a simple to it. God speaks, but God speaks to Noah. How many times have you and I been in our recliners or our prayer chairs or our prayer closets and we're begging God to speak to us? God speaks, and I believe he still speaks. And he said, Noah, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. This is a repeat of the mandate to procreate and fill the earth. Noah, it's your job. You know what Noah did? Amen, God. I love that mandate. This is good. Y'all don't get that, but but that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Be fruitful and multiply. 
And then he goes on in verse 2, guys, and he says, And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth, on every bird of the air, and all that move on the earth, and all the fish of the sea are given into your hand. And what he's doing, he's emphasizing um, uh, uh, Noah's humanity's authoritative role. He says, listen, you, you guys are the, man, you're the stewards of the animal kingdom. They're, they're subject to you. Now, notice verse 3. I love verse 3. And you go, why? Notice what it says. Ready, Joe? Every movie thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. What did he just say? God just gave a steak and salad. Right here. He said, listen, go for it. Go for it. Now, remember, he gave a steak and salad. So don't, 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 don't bypass the salad, Joe, so you can wait for your steak. Okay? I'm telling you. But I love this verse. Why? Because God gave us, he says, he, um, he says, he gave us meat, and don't forget the vegetables. And but this is for one purpose. You ready? Jot this down. This is for the sustaining of human life. Are, are you listening to me? You go, why? Because we don't want to reverse the creative order and worship food when we should be worshiping God and thanking Him for the food. Oh, listen, I've had some good steaks in my life. Ones that, you know, just kind of melt like butter. But you don't worship that. You say, Lord, thank you that we're able to eat this. And he does that. He gives us verse 3. I started thinking about this. Here, God tells Noah, listen, Noah, yes, sir? Every moving thing that lives, that can be food for you. Okay, Lord. He says, I've given you all things, even as the green herbs, even, even the salads, right? And I started thinking, why, why, would now, why would God give us both meat and salad, right? And I just wonder, here's just my thought. My thought is, I wonder if the world's you know, ecological system had changed because of a worldwide flood, and so life is just a bit different, right? I wonder... Things have changed. The polar axis has shifted a little bit. I don't know. Maybe maybe the, the herbs are not going to grow. as. For, I, it's just, just a thought. I, I, I don't know. But now he's telling us, okay, you can, go into, you can go ahead and have some chicken. You can go ahead and have some meat. You can have some fish. You can, whatever it is you want, go for it. Go for it. He says, but this, verse 4, but you shall not eat the flesh with its life. That is, it's blood. In the message, it says this, listen, except for meat with his life bread still in it, don't eat. What's he saying? This simply means that before any animal flesh is consumed, that the blood must be drained out. Okay? That's what he says. He says, you don't eat the flesh with its life still in it, right? Don't, don't do that. Make sure that it's it's drained and so forth. And then he, he, he kind of gives us a covenant here. It's a new beginning, Noah. This is a new world. Here's some new instructions. Here's the covenant, verse 5. He says, Surely your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast I will require it of it. From the hand of man, from the hand of every man's brother, I will require the life of man. Now catch this, okay? If you're taking note, here's what he's saying. He's talking about capital punishment. Did you guys see that? God says, I will require the blood of anyone who takes another person's life. 
He says, don't, 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 don't be killing it, right? He says, if you, if a wild animal actually kills a person, it must die. You're like, wow. And then he goes on. Remember, these are new instructions, okay? Whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. Why? For in the image of God, he made man. And as far as you be fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply it. Now, again, think about this. He says, listen, this is capital. Listen, you don't go out and kill people. Why? Because life is precious. He says, don't take it randomly. Life is precious. Why, pastor? Because he tells us because we were created in the image of God. Guys, as believers, as believers, we must recognize that everyone is born as in the image of God. Now, now listen, they may not act like it. They may not act like it, but they're still in the image of God. And the Lord says, guys, listen, you just don't go kill people. And we haven't even got to what the Ten Commandments, right? But what is one of the Ten Commandments? Thou shall not murder, right? Thou shall not murder. Thou shall not kill. And so we go, why? Because they're image bearers. They're image bearers. We must learn the sanctity of life. So now we move on, guys. He's giving us some new instructions in a new world. Now we learn that the Noahic covenant, this is God's covenant with men in creation. Verse 8, then God spoke to Noah and his sons with him, saying, as far as me, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. Verse 10, and every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, every beast of the earth with you, of all should go out of the ark, every beast of the earth. Verse 11, thus I shall establish my covenant with you. What's the covenant, Lord? Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall shall a flood destroy the earth. And God said, this is a sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for a perpetual generation. So we know the covenant, okay? What's the covenant? That he's not going to flood the earth. That, that, uh, there you go. But he says in verse 13, I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. So what does God do? No, he gives us a sign of that covenant. You go, what is it? It's a beautiful rainbow. It's a beautiful rainbow. That's God's covenant. So every time a believer sees a rainbow, we go, wow, look at the clouds. And it's a, it's a, oh, it's a double rainbow. And it's so amazing. Why? Because that's God's promise that he's not going to flood the earth. And think about it, guys. He hasn't, he's kept his covenant. We see that, right? And you go, okay, yeah, I get it, a rainbow. The problem is, is that other people have used God's sign for other things, It's almost like we go back even now. Guys, think about this. Here's what, here's what I want you to say, okay? I want to remind you tonight that Jesus Christ is coming back for us soon. He's coming back. He's coming back. Everything prophetically is, is just even more. And now, now let me say this to you, okay? I want you to jot this down. I think, I think this is so pertinent to you. If you feel like your life is getting more stressful spiritually, 
you know that the enemy is even more going after the believers. And you say, why? Because time is short. He doesn't have much time. Well, you said, well, Ben, give me a quick, give me a, a quick prophetic update. Let me just say this. I read this week that Donald Trump is removing U.S. troops from Syria. Okay? He's moving them out of Syria. You go, well, what, what does that mean? Well, I mean, think about what the Bible says. It says that, that Damascus is going to be destroyed. There's, not, there's nothing in there that's going to live in Damascus, right? Right now, who occupies Damascus? The Russians, right? And Turkey. You go, what happens if the United States withdraws from Syria? It's a direct land bridge for Iran to walk straight across to Israel. Guys, we stand on a mount and we look over a fence and we see Syria right there. We're on the border. I don't know if Donald Trump's going to go for that, but what I'm saying is I told Nathalie the other day, I said, wow, that's, that's prophetic. He's going to pull our troops. That just leaves it wide open. You guys know what happens to Israel, right? When Israel's backed into a corner, they're going to come out fighting. Is that what's going to happen? I don't know. But what I'm telling you guys is that Jesus is coming. Okay? You go, give me another sign. Another sign is when Isaiah said, Woe to you who call evil good and good evil. Have we not seen that? Have we not seen that in our world? Okay? You go, how so? God made a beautiful rainbow to remind us that he's not going to put with his covenant. Okay? I don't know about you, but I love to take this covenant and I love to, I love to apply the new covenant because the new covenant means so much more to me, but I know that God keeps his promises. And so I can stand on that. And so I know that he hasn't flooded the earth, a universal flood. And I know that I can trust God. But when people who don't love my Jesus, take what's precious to him. We're calling good evil, guys. We're calling good evil. Saw a video last night about, I don't know, I think it was, it was um, one of the channels, I don't know, Disney Channel or something, that they're doing, they're doing something called, you know, um, something about evil. They're teaching kids that evil is good. And I was just like, What? It was late night, and I was, I was watching this prophecy update, and I was just like, we, we're there. We're there. We're calling good evil and evil good. God says, my rainbow, set my rainbow in a cloud, and it shall be a sign for you in the covenant between you and me. Verse 14, and it shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be set in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again again become a flood to destroy the flesh. Look at verse 16. The rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look at it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all the flesh that is on the earth. Not only is it a beautiful reminder of, for us, but God's going to look down and says, oh yeah, I'm going to keep my covenant. Well, what do you mean? When, 
when mankind is so corrupt and so evil, they shake their fist at God so much so that we as believers feel like we have to defend God. And listen to me, we don't have to defend God. God doesn't need, he doesn't need me to defend him. Can I get an amen on that? But when we feel so angry that we got to defend God, he looks down and says, don't worry about it, Ben. I know this is my covenant. This is my covenant. This is the covenant, guys. This is the covenant. Now, I want to give you some. I want to just uh, I want to chat for just a moment. I want you to take these notes. Okay. There are several covenants, guys. There are several covenants that God makes. Okay. The first one, you can jot these down, okay? There's actually eight of them. You go, the first one we see is the, uh, um, basically the Edenic covenant, the Edenic covenant, and that's found in Genesis 2, 16, the very first covenant God makes in the Garden of Eden. Then we see in Genesis three fifteen, number two is the Adamic covenant. That's the covenant he makes with Adam. That's number two. We see the Noahic covenant. That's the one we're talking about right now. What's the Noahic covenant? It's the rainbow that God's not going to flood the earth. In Genesis 12, 2, we're going to see number four. It's the Abrahamic covenant, and we'll get to that. Then we're going to see the Mosaic covenant with Moses, Exodus 19, verse 5. Then, then we're going to see a Palestinian covenant. That's Deuteronomy 30, verse 3. Then we'll walk into the Davidic covenant, 2 Samuel seven sixteen, And then, of course, Hebrews 8, 8 gives us the new covenant. The new covenant. So we have all these covenants that God made. The, uh, all from the Adamic covenant, Noah, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic, the Palestinian covenant, the Davidic covenant, and then the new covenant. Okay? So oh, verse 16 gives us a covenant. There are two parts to this covenant. Okay? Next week we're going to do the second part, but I just want to go over these real quick with you. Okay? Here are the elements of God's covenant one more time. Man is responsible to protect the sanity, the sanctity, excuse me, of human life by orderly rule over individual men, even to capital punishment. You guys got that? That's what he told us. Now that lines up, if you're taking notes, with Romans chapter 13, 1 through 7. Paul writes, let every soul be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Now, let me stop right there. Why? Because Santos and I were having a conversation right out the world. And, and what I did is I took that video and I sent them to the pastors. But here's what we need to learn. Here's what you learn on that video. And if you're interested in the video, see me after church and I'll send it to you via um, whatever it might be, email or that. But here's what it's in the It said that everyone in the world is, is known as a globalist, a globalist, Okay. Donald Trump is known as a nationalist. Now, I'm not here to promote Donald Trump or any politics, but he's known as a nationalist. Why? Because he came out with a campaign that said, make America great again. He wasn't make the world. I'm not here. He's a nationalist. Whether you voted for him or whatever you think about him, he's concerned about America. Now, we started talking, Santos and I started talking about the little video and everything, and he made the point real quick. He said, you know what? Just like, and he used kings, right? He said, just like in kings, the world wants to be ruled by one man. They don't want to be ruled by God anymore. I thought, wow. And here, Paul writes, he says, let every soul be subject to governor. I get that. Listen, policemen, thank you. But there is no, no authority except from God. God gives these people the authority, and the authority should, should, that, that exists should be appointed by God. 
Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not terrors to do works, but to do evil. Do you not want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good. When you have the praise from the same, for he is God's minister for you to do good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For if he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister. Did you realize that? Did you realize that the policemen who turn on their lights because you're breaking the law are God's ministers? You go, I do, but not all are. I get it. But here's what God's word says. So next time you get pulled over, say, wow, you're a servant of the Lord, aren't you? Maybe they'll, they'll give you a warning. Okay. So you're not only officer, but your pastor will just say that. And then you can take him to Romans 13. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of the wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you may also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending, continue to this very thing. Render, therefore, notice, to all their due, taxes whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So Paul goes on and he says, listen, okay, there it is. This is, this is, this is what we're talking about. There are, there's a governing, God sets up governing authorities. The problem is, is that we don't want to uh, be subject to the governing authorities, but we will look to one man who we want to be ruled by. Well, and I'm talking the world in general, not the believers. We'll be out of here. Part of the second part of the the uh, the covenant is no additional curse is placed on the ground, nor man to fear another universal flood. I think that's good, right? There's no more. Uh, thank you, Lord. Amen. No more additional curse. Okay. Number three, the order of nature is confirmed. You're going to rule over the animals. Okay. And number four. The flesh of the animals is added to man's diet as well as vegetarian. So we see that's the covenant. You guys got that? Really simple. Boom, 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 boom. Now, in verse 17, it says, And God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant which I established between me and all flesh on the earth. Then he goes on and he says, Now, the sons of Noah went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham was the father of Canaan. These were the sons of Noah. From these, the whole earth was populated. So next week, we'll start to see where these guys started to populate the whole earth. Now, we do see Noah blow it pretty quick, which gives me hope. Because Noah was righteous, and he still blew it. And I'm going, man, Noah was like a father of the faith, and he still blew it. You know, and and I'm just like, thank you, Lord. So here's what I want to do, guys. I want to close our Bible study. It's time to close. And I, but I want you to realize that Noah, okay, that God gives Noah a new beginning, a new beginning, okay. Even though he's blown it, even though there are things in his life, he gives him a new beginning. We see that. But let's say goodbye to Noah, and let's. Let's bring home to our lives. Why? Because maybe tonight, maybe tonight you need a new beginning. Maybe tonight you can, you can relate with Noah in some way. You've been, you've been caught up in an ark and you've been kind of floating for five months and God's giving you new, a brand new beginning. Maybe you've been in the same place for far too long.
And when I say that, I'm talking about, guys, I'm talking about spiritually. Just kind of been there. It's like, Lord, I don't, I don't hear your voice, Lord. And Lord, when I read your word, I, I feel like it's just dry. They're just, they're just letters on a page. And I hear what pastor says and I listen to Josh lead worship and sing. And if we can be honest, there are times in our lives when it doesn't touch us. And, and God's saying tonight, there's a new beginning. He's got to look for it. He's got to look. You go, well, what should we do? I, I, I need a new beginning. I need something substantial. Well, let's, let's, guys, let's follow the prescribed method. You go, well, like what? Well, first and foremost, the first thing that Noah did is he worshiped. But he didn't worship from a place, guys, of, of, of just culture, of just, this is what we do. I lift up my hands. Josh says to stand. I stand. Josh says to sit. So we, 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 we got to come to a place where we, we close our eyes and we forget what, what tonight brings and we forget what tomorrow brings. And we come to a place where we go, God, it's you and you alone and I'm going to worship you. It's guys where we renew our covenant and our love for God and say, God, I love you. I believe in you. I repent of my sins, my selfish sins, and I, and I trust you, God. And I trust you, and I want to do that in worship. That's what we should do first. You go, what else? Let us, listen to this, let us confess to him that our progress in faith has been hindered. Listen to this. Did you know that ease is the greater threat to progress than hardship? You go, what do you mean? We need to learn to press into the hardship so that we can grow in our faith. I don't know about you, but I want easy. I want easy. I want easy street. But the guy says, no, no, no. Ease, listen to me, ease is the greater threat to your progress, Ben. Press into that. How do we do that? I'm on my knees. Press in, God. God, it's hard. It's hard. And then let me just say this. Number three. We worship. We pour out our heart, we pour out our heart to God. And we confess, Lord, I'm struggling, God. And God says, the last but not least, he says, get out of the ark. Get out of the ark. Embrace the new beginning so that I can bless your journey. Get out of the ark. Pastor, what does that mean? Take that step out and say, Lord, I'm yours. My life has purpose and meaning only because of you. I want out of the ark, Lord. There's a whole world out there that God wants to do. And what does he want to do? He wants to use every single one of us. And can I just plead with you and beg with you? God has gifted you and God is going to use you. And he's got, you've, he, he does something amazing. He takes a little church like this and he, he throws us out in the world because he wants to use you and bless you and that you can bless others. Oh, oh sure. What you stand for, people don't like. But there's somebody that's watching your life that needs to see 
Get out of the ark. Embrace that new beginning. What does God want to do with us, guys? What does God want to do with us? Father, we thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word. We thank you that we can, we can pull just so much nuggets from Noah. He got out of the ark, Lord. It was a new beginning, Lord. He, he was blessed by you, Lord. And so, Lord, we thank you. Father, forgive us, God, when we're more comfortable in our darkness than when, because we're afraid of the light. Let us step into the light and let us accept and, and, and walk in all that you have for us. Let us trust you once again. Let our hearts feel who you are. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, would you just do me a favor? Would you just worship the Lord tonight? Worship him like you've never worshiped him before. Don't worry about you have to go. Don't worry about the lights. Don't worry about what's going on. Take some time. And, if, and listen, if you're, if you're struggling, you go, Ben, I don't feel him. Guys, we have some pastors to pray for you. We can just, let's just let this next 10, 10 minutes be about God. And let's just worship the Lord. If that means you're on your face, that means you're on your face. If that means you're on your knees, you're on your knees. If that means standing up with your hands lifted high, guys, block out everything else and ask God, teach me how to worship you. I'm ready for my new beginning. We ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.